When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the return of the Beaver Banter Podcast. I'm Nick Daschle and I cover Oregon State football and basketball for the Oregonian and Oregon Live. Football season's just around the corner and Thank God for that, because we've been spending way too much time at, at Oregon State's training camp. It's time to actually see some real football games. Uh, this season, I'm going to be joined on the podcast by former Oregon State cornerback Kyle White. Kyle played for the Beavers in 2016 and 2017. Welcome to the podcast, Kyle. Thank you. I'm excited to be on. I did get that right, didn't I? 2016, 2017? Yes, yeah, sir, you did. Yeah, Okay. I uh, I think a good place to start is to kind of find out what a little bit about about Kyle and what he's been up to. What uh, your last season was, two thousand seventeen. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of a season everybody was probably trying to forget. I don't, uh, what have you What have you been doing since then? Um, after I got done, I played pro for a bit. Decided uh, very short lived, but uh, called quits. I started working at Enterprise, and then finally found my real home, and now working at Nike. Um, merchandising and sort of just you know uh, living out what I've always wanted to do. You spent you spent a little time in uh, in Saints training camp. How, how's what what's that like? It was everything Coach Hall actually said it was going to be. Uh, sort of understanding the playbook as quick and rapid as possible, and just within like a three day span, I think I learned probably like two ginormous handful of books. Um, and just understanding their plays and learning their verbiage. Uh, it's way different. It's faster than college athletes faster. Um, overall is just like a great experience and what you learn and understanding that like what you learned in college works, but at the same time you have to adapt and learn new lingo as well as understanding like the man to man covers turn zone. Yeah. Uh, did, did you, did you make it to the, to the final cut or were you in the, the rookie camp or? No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't make it to the final cut. Really bummed about it. Uh, I did quickly get signed to the CFL and got to play out uh, about half to three fourths of the season with them. Yeah. Um, playbook, totally different games, totally different fields, way different. Um, but made it pretty far. Never got cut after I got joined until after season, and then uh, we made it to the Grey Cup, in which we lost. Yeah, I'm just I'm just curious because today was cut day in the NFL, and ten ten former Beavers made the cut, and a lot of them didn't make the cut. So it was it's kind of one of those bittersweet days, I know. So what was the shape of Oregon State's program when you left in 2017? I mean, in my truthful opinion, I think that it was 
we were all questioning and still trying to figure out an identity. Um, they always wanted to figure out like team identity, but with Anderson leaving and Coach Hall's in terminal and not knowing who's going to be our next coach and then figuring out it was Coach Smith, we were didn't end the season well, didn't have a great season to start really. But um, when I left, there was new hope with Coach Smith, which was cool, which I didn't get to, you know, be a part of, but really just questions up in the air of how are they going to turn out with the new coach, seeing how like Gary Anderson was the new coach and it didn't pan out then and how was Coach Smith going to be. But looking at his track record, being at Washington, it, it really looked like it was on an uphill climb. Uh, but there was a lot of questions. Yeah. The uh, the only player remaining from your era on, on the current roster is Jaden Grant. Um, you got any good stories about Jaden? I sat there and thought about it. And I mean, truly honest, like him being so young when I was there, like what now we're five years yeah. out. I don't have like many stories. Um, great guy and really smart when I was there. So, I mean, it shows on the field now for him on how intelligent and how well he plays, but uh Truly honest, not too many stories. Yeah. Um, wish I had more. We had a whole bunch of fun in the locker room, but rather than us just suffering through uh, gassers all the time together, not not too many. Yeah, he was telling me a story a couple of weeks ago about when he almost quit. It was right. It was during summer workouts, I think, in 2016. You guys were pushing 600 pound sleds around. I think it was called a strongman day or something. But he passed out. The trainers were carrying him off the field, and a bunch of players were laughing at him. And and he just he thought, boy, <laughs> I I just can't do this. And turns out, seven years later, he could do. It. Yeah, yeah. The strongman days were not the funniest. There was always a whole bunch of dudes puking and a whole bunch of dudes passing out. Uh, not a whole bunch, but there was a couple every once in a while. And uh, I mean, you ask Jaden, you could ask him about our '83 gasser day, and he'll tell you that was probably one that anybody on that team will remember. I mean, I've never ran so many gassers in my life, but uh, it's definitely a day that we all remember. 80, every year. 80, '83 gasser, '83 gassers in in so, one in one session, in one session, nonstop. What what led to that? Did your coach just mad at you, or just wanting to? make a point or yeah it was the same summer that Jaden's talking about um basically we're going into yeah. the 2017 season and coach um not coach um what's his name our strength coach he was trying to get us pumped and ready for the season we ran a couple gassers but some people didn't make their times and so so instead of just being like all right we got to do better he was like hey either you guys can quit and be done for the day or we can keep running and pretend like as if you're going to win the day as if this is the first game of season. No, nobody wants to quit. So we're all like, yeah, let's do this. And he was like, he didn't tell us how many we were doing. So we're like 20 in already. We did like an extra 10 and then we kept going and did another 10. And then we kept going and did another like four and another three and then another two and then another 10. And I mean, by the time we knew it, there was dudes passing out here and there. Um, and, when we finally got done, it, it was everybody was exhausted. I remember going back to the locker room and everybody was just sleeping on the ground, just like out of exhaustion. Just, just, just for fans, what? How long is a gasser? So we had to a half gasser is fifty five yards or forty five yards, the width of a field, and we had to run that within seven seconds as the skills players 
just the fit, the, the, the width down within second, seven, down back within 16, down back down within, I want to say like 27 or something like that. And then the full gasser was down back, down back in like 33 or something like that. And you had to do, you had to do and, 83 full gassers? So we had to do some quarter, some half, some three quarters, and some full. Yeah. And he would never tell us which one was next. He'd just say, all right, this one, go. And he'd give us like a, I don't know, like a 10 to 15 second breather in between, oh, wow. which was absolutely nothing because it felt like two seconds yeah. went by. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I, I assume that was the one that was the last of those. You didn't didn't do anything like that ever since. then. I imagine we did a couple, but it was never fit. It, whenever we did gasters after it was like, hey, everybody hit their times because we don't want to do what we just had to yeah. go through. So everybody started hitting times and never had to look back on that. So how much have you followed Oregon State since your career ended? Uh, I mean, I watch all the games. I try to keep up. I text JMO every once in a while. Jalen Moore. Yeah. Um, literally I love watching the Beavers and I love going to as many games as possible. And I think this year I should be able to hit a lot more of them. I'm really excited to see what sort of, you know, what's going to unfold. But I knew since two years ago, like basically since the COVID year, it, it was the turnaround of Oregon state. And I've been so excited to watch and see the up climb that they've sort of done. And I'm just excited to see the future. Yeah. What we hear a lot about culture you know, that that's really important to a, a good program. And we hear a lot about how this culture at Oregon State, did you, I mean, what was your experience with culture? Did that, does that really matter a lot? Oh, a hundred percent it does. Um, when I was at Oregon State, we were still trying to find our identity and our culture. Uh, it was always rough, especially with like Gary Anderson. I think he's a great guy. Uh, there was a lot that happened, but with him leaving, it was definitely more of a loss and trying to refigure out a new culture after that. But um, you see what culture really is supposed to look like when Coach Smith came in and he made everybody truly buy in. Like the words buy in in some people's minds just means, yeah, you know, like we're all in, it's whatever. But truly when a team trust each individual on top of has respect for their head coach and every positions coach and wants to really give it their all, you see a difference in the culture because I believe we had a great team then just with no culture, which showed and reasons why we had bad record. Uh, the team that they've had the past two years and including this year coming up, it's, it's more so the culture on the team that's helping them win and the belief in each yeah. other. Um, what were your impressions of Oregon State last year? I loved the D-line started coming together. Our back in secondary looked pretty great. I think there's only a rise from it, especially with Jaden staying in. I think he has the seniority to sort of show the younger guys how to become excellent and how to really work and stay calm under pressure. Our offensive run game's always been amazing. And what I'm most excited to see this year is like the tight ends, because the tight ends have always been great under Jonathan Smith. And our receiving core just get even stronger than what already was. So like last year's team looked good. And they, I feel like they sort of caved under pressure when it came to the bowl game, just because we hadn't been there in gosh knows how long. But I think this upcoming season is going to be one that's going to be the start to the new in ways dynasty of Oregon state, you know, like basically I think that we've gotten over the hurdle of making a bowl game 
Now our goal is to win our bowl games from here on. So I think it's going to be, I think it was a great turn for Oregon State. Dynasty talk. Haven't heard that in Oregon State in a while. You know, I love to stay optimistic. Yeah. Um, so one of the big storylines from last year was, you know, the firing of uh, Tim Tibisar, defensive coordinator. What what differences do you think fans are going to notice from Trent Bray this year? I think the D-line is going to be – I think there's going to be more blitz packages as top of – he's going to play more physical. I think our defense was physical to start, but with having such a younger coach, he understands his players more, where he was – he's been with them longer. Um, him being at Oregon State previously, years back, is he knows the culture, he knows the atmosphere, he knows the fan base, and he knows the players even more just because of his age and understanding of the game and the new generation game that there is. So I think he's going to bring a lot to the defense and helping them excel. And on top of overall, it's going to be, you're going to, I don't think there's going to be a dramatic difference, but there's going to be a dramatic difference in play wise and how well they perform with him. Yeah. We, we've been, I mean, we, we've been hearing that, that, you know, and I've watched them during camp, the, the secondary, which is kind of your specialty. Um, they could be one of the best secondaries in the Pac-12, and I, there's a chance they might be the best. So we know they can cover, but how important is the, is the defensive line and the outside linebackers putting pressure on the quarterback to a secondary? How, how, much, how much does that factor into the formula of being great as a secondary? Oh, it, it means an absolute a lot because if you have a great D line, there's no extra time that they have to cover. When you're covering somebody for more than five seconds, five to seven seconds, it, it's a lot, which you already can figure out. But then when the play is still going, you've now ran and figured out a whole offensive package, the routes. But now they're going into free fall where it's like they can sort of just do and move to the quarterback's willing when you're still looking at them trying to figure out what's going on. So when you have enough uh, pressure on a quarterback, it allows one, the ball to get out faster Two, you're not sitting in no man's land. And three, that's less chance of holds penalties. And so it's going to help the secondary be able to understand like route concepts and stay on the route concepts not have to basically just when the quarterback just rolls out as a scramble, it's going to be able to help them, you know, be prepared on top of not have to deal with that as much. Yeah. I mean, the most quarterback pressure you can get, the less percentage of a completion half the time. So, you know, I think it's going to help the secondary. And I think that they are going to be a great group of guys this year, and which I hope to be one of the best in the Pac-12. I mean, they have all the ability. They have a great coach. Coach Blue is amazing. And I think that they have a shot at it. So camp ended last week, and um, you know, I it, camp ten years ago is different than it is today. They're just there's more precautions, there's less physical play, just for injury's sake. What what was kind of your experience during training camp? Um, you know, was it did you did you enjoy it? Was it was it a grind? What 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 did you like about when you were Oregon State in, in with their preseason camp? I loved camp. It was definitely uh, different. I mean, what I was a cutoff where like used to be able to do two a days, uh, like right before. I mean, now there's they do walkthroughs and they do practice on top of film. But every day was a day of competing. Like there's no letting up, which was awesome. I mean, 
fights here and there, but at the same time, like your teammates. So like it was temporary and it squashed, but uh, every day was a day to compete, to try to make, try to be the guy on top, which I love. So basically I, my first year there, I was a running back and didn't really work out for me. I had Ryan Nall, Tim Cook, AP, and they all were great. And so, I mean, I knew that corner was a better position for me. And so when I moved over to corner, I got to play the nickel spot behind Dwayne Haskins and Dwayne Williams. And uh, he was, he was good, but I also think I had a great position at it, but um, he was made for the nickel position. So all camp, I was a nickel until fall, until the fall ball game. And I moved back to corner and I sort of felt like I shined better at corner, which that's why I wanted to be. And um, so that sort of helped me, but, you know, having Jay Irvine, um, Xavier had left the year before, which was awesome. Tristan Day Cood was awesome. But fall camp was one of my absolute favorite times of the year just because everybody wants to go all out to become a yeah. starter. But at the same time, like, that's where you really show your if you thrived and if you showed film and if you've been working on your craft. Any, any, any good camp stories from the two years you're at Oregon State? Any good camp stories? I remember, I mean, I'm sort of just going to dog on myself, but it was, it was a funny and bad day at the same time. But I was at running back the first year and coach Anderson had me run like an outside zone play. And for some reason, I just wanted to bounce it. It made sense from my opinion, but uh, apparently it didn't make sense. So he was like, no, hit the B gap, hit the B gap. And I just couldn't do it just because it kept closing. They knew it was coming because we just kept running it over and over and over. I think we ran it about nine times before we got in a fight. I was just like, all right, like, I don't know what you want me to do then. But, uh, I mean, rather than that, camp at Bend was amazing. Um, Love sitting under, like, you know, sunset. Had a whole bunch of fun with the guys. Um, camp in general, like, five years ago, a lot of very brief memories of it, but what I do remember is like the passion, the fun I had and, you know, exploring bend at the same time. Fights. I, I only saw maybe three of them this year, maybe three or four, and they didn't last very long, but no, they never did. And, and I think some of that had to do with the year. I think it was maybe in the spring, there was a good fight and Jonathan did not take well to it. And he did. So, but these ones didn't last long, but, I mean, how do you how do you get when you guys are fighting your own team teammates? I mean, is it just like do you get over it pretty quickly or? Oh yeah, it's out of short frustration, and then it literally squashes right after it's done. And then when you get to the locker room, it's it's a laugh. Like I almost got you, and they're like, no, not even close. But it, it's just like a a brief frustration frustrated moment with the heat of everything going on and the play and the call and so on and so forth. But basically it's just, it's just a brief thing. Your teammate is your teammate and you understand yeah. that. Um, when camp ends, are guys pretty happy or, or it, it, I mean, cause it's kind of the practice becomes something totally different. Doesn't it? When you start game week practices is a completely different type of practice. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. You go from like hitting everything full of steam hitting it like normal hard hits, like as if it's game day. And then you sort of slow it down to, all right, now we're working on 
scouting for the other team. You know, we got their play calls. We're going through scenarios. We're walking through scenarios. All right, that play didn't look good full speed. Let's slow it down, break it down again. And then you have more time to like sit there and make sure your body's like fully recovered. They don't want you to oversteam once you're actually getting ready for season. Yeah. And so it's like you go completely hard in fall camp, spring ball, summer workouts, and then you slow it down and make sure your body's right, healthy, and like making sure that you're fully ready for the game. Cause I mean, now that basically fall camp's coming to an end or has came to an end and they're getting ready for Boise State, all focus is on Boise. So it's going it, to, the transition is amazing. The team, I mean, when I played, I loved fall camp, but I was always ready for it to be over because it's, it's basically like, hey, you're going hard as hard as you can. And then once fall camp ends, you can calm it down a little, but go hard. It's just knowing your steps, knowing the speeds, and you want to run your first couple steps full speed, make sure that you know what you're doing, make sure it's correct, and then, you know, you slow it down. So Oregon State, their first three games are Boise State, Fresno State, Montana State. Possibility going 3-0. and The first two are pretty difficult games, particularly the Fresno game. But I'm just curious, as a player, how do you – I'm just wondering, how do you go? It's all about Boise State. It, that's the only thing that matters. You don't ever even think of three and zero. It just seems like it'd be hard to hard to believe you could actually not think about you know starting your season off with a with a good record, and all you do is focus on that first game. Is that easy to do or not? I mean, I, I think of the way we look at per game is the same way I look at per play in a game it's you focus on one thing and one thing alone. So, you know, like they have Boise state coming up. I don't see any of them looking past that Boise state game and saying like, Hey, yeah, we can go three and oh now it's you focus on that game and that game alone, you get the win and you focus on the next one. You go hard for the week, you go for Saturday, you get the win and then you focus on the next one, but it's never, Hey, we can beat this team, this team and this team. Cause you, if you're sitting here focusing on past that first game, you're already setting yourself up, in my opinion, yeah. for failure. Because I think that you should be able to focus. I think you should only focus on one thing and one thing alone, and that's the opponent that you have that Saturday. So for a season opener, you haven't really played, and well, you haven't played in nine months, nine ten months for some teams. You've gone through two sets of heavy practices with camp and spring practice. I mean, yet the coaches are going to say it's one game of twelve. Don't make it bigger than it is. Is that how players see it, or is there a little bit extra juice in that season opener? Way too much juice in that season opener. Uh, it's basically getting all the pr- the first game jitters out every year all over again. You know, it's like your your body's moving. You got all the jitters in them. You're ready to go, and, you know, you just need to take that first contact hit. After that, you could calm it down a little where you're like, all right, now I'm ready to play. And it happens every game. So, like, that first game is just over over it felt where you're just like, all right, I'm ready to go. I see the lights. The lights are ready. I see all the fans. I'm playing this other team finally that I've been waiting nine months to play. And so, you know, they just got to get past those first couple, uh, first couple series and they'll calm down. So like, you know, coming into this game, I expect nothing less than, you know, they're all going to be overhyped. Somebody's going to make a big play. There's probably going to be a flag or two, but the goal is to try to take, take that, keep that to a minimum and then make big plays and have fun, 
I mean, it's going to be a great sight to see. And as long as they're staying focused, it's going to work well for them. Did you play in the in the one open as a senior? Or did you play in the one year in 2016 as well? I can't remember how many games you played in 2016. I played in the special teams in the season opener for against Montana. No, 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 Minnesota. And then I played corner um, against Colorado State in the season opener at Colorado State. I ha- my first play, I had an interception off a of busted coverage. First play in the Colorado State by game? myself. I mean, first play that you you were. Yeah, my first play. Wow! So you were about the only guy that did it. Yeah. So it was um, it was a read option, or what was it? Something like that. And he draw he uh came back five step, and threw a bomb to the receiver that's on um the Cowboys right now, and I had cover three. I saw a run, so I took a half a step, and this dude just took off. And I sprinted after him. I got back to it. I got lucky that Andre actually smacked the quarterback. Uh, throw was a little short, and I got under it, and I got the interception. I mean, the next play after, like two plays after, Timmy had his first touchdown. So Timmy had, like, the first touchdown of the season, and I had the first, like, interception of the season. So we were off to a decent start. Game didn't end well still, but – I mean, for my first play, it was pretty uh, memorable yeah. for me. Timmy being Timmy Hernandez, your your room, roommate both years or, or one year? Roommate for like one and a half of the years. Yeah, he st- he got his own apartment. And I, I uh, had some other teammates that were my roommates. So we look at the Saturday's game at Boise State. What would you say are a few of the keys to that game? In my opinion, I think it's going to be about run stop. I believe that. I mean – Everybody knows Boise. They always want to run the ball. Uh, they have some good receivers, but their primary, primary base is to run the ball. If we can stop the run, we'll work well, especially on the back end. I think we always will. And then making sure that we can get the ball out, quarterback to receivers. Our run game is always going to be number one. It's going to open up everything else. I mean, I think it's going to be a close game, but overall I think we should come out with a win. Um, as long as we can stick to our keys and our bases – and stopping the run, playing good defense, solid defense, we should be able to hold them to a minimum. I mean, don't you think the way this team is set up right now, they're going to Oregon State's going to come out and make teams show they can stop the run until they until they do, unless they happen to put nine guys in the box, and then at that point, Oregon State's got to got to make them pay, you know, by throwing the ball. I would think, but if if it's just your typical defense, don't you think they're going to run the ball until the team the uh, the opponent try can show they can stop the run. Oh yeah, I mean my favorite part about football and me being from Alabama is running the ball. I think Alabama, Georgia, all the teams that do well run the ball till they be stopped. And I think Oregon State the past three years have always ran the ball until they can actually get stopped. Even when a bad play happens, they're still going to run the ball because it's our it's our foundation. We run yeah. the ball well. We've had great running backs the last couple of years, and I think that's never going to stop. I mean, the running backs that we have now are all really well. And so, you know, I think they're going to all run the ball well. And no matter who you put in, it's going to work out. And then on top of them trying to stop the run, we have great tight ends. And when they finally stop the run, we have great receivers. So then we're able to spread the ball out. But the run's never going to stop. 
How uh, how demoralizing is that to a defense when they when you just can't stop the run? It's very. It's it's basically like I don't know what you're supposed to do because no play call is working. You don't want to overly stack the box because then everything on the outside is open. So it's just when you can run it down somebody's throat enough where their mental is done, you have now put yourself at a point where all you got to do is keep doing that and the game is yours. As long as you don't mentally think the game is over and you just say, we're just going to keep doing this and show you you can't compete with us, that game is going to be yours as long as that keeps happening. And Oregon State has showed the past couple years with Juice, um, AP was a great running back. I wish we would use Thomas Tyner more. Ryan Nall was always pretty good whenever he was in. And, I mean, it's just time and time again, we keep getting these great running backs. Even uh, B.J. Baylor, it's just one after another after another, and it's just going to keep going. And as long as, I mean, Coach Smith understands it and he's good at it and he knows when to run the ball and to just run it down their throat. Yeah. So Oregon State wins Saturday night if what happens? We can hold. I don't know. This part I'm never like crazy great at. I always like to call scores, but uh, I think if we hold like Boise to like maybe 120 yards, but at the same time, like I think the score is going to be within seven to 13 points ending at the end. But it's going to be just stopping the run is the main thing. Yeah, I called it 27-17 Oregon State. I I just think this is going to be a pretty low scoring game. Um, and when I say a low scoring, 27-17, for these two teams, it's kind of low scoring. I just think the two defenses are are the are the strength of both teams. Not that Oregon State's Indeed. offense isn't isn't strong. It's it's good, but I think the defense is going to be something different this year that we've seen in a while. I think this offense is going to be different for us, though. Like normally, yeah, I agree with you. Our defense is where our strong suit is that keeps us in games. I really, really like the offense this year and the tight ends that we have. I think they're going to be a huge asset on the whole season. Uh, our running backs are always our like main focal point and our receiving core is good. And so I think that our offense is going to hold their end of the bargain. And our yeah. defense is going to do what our defense always does. So right. I could either seeing it be this from a close game or us at this first game, I don't believe it's going to be a blowout. I believe no matter what, it's going to be a close game. But I feel like as the season goes along, you're going to really see this offense finally shine. Yeah, I will say first games are just impossible to predict, really, because they're just there's so many mistakes made. And, and you just you just never know. It's not really the true team that comes out that first game typically, but. I kind of like to look at second and third games more than a first game. Just that always seems oh, yeah. to me to be more of a barometer of what a team's going to look like than the first game. But I think with the experience of this team, the first game shouldn't shouldn't be as big a deal as as say maybe other openers, just because there's so many veterans on this team. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, yeah. I think our defense is going to be solid, and we have a lot of upperclassmen to really lead the team, which is going to be really nice. So. I do believe that we have a great year ahead of us and that this game is going to be one that doesn't come to the wire, but it's going to be a close, again, like you said, 10 game, 10 point game where it's like, all right, like what's going to happen and really it comes down to like the last, it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. It's just, or the second half who's really going to prevail and, you know, like pull through. Yeah. 
Are you going to be at the game on Saturday? No, I actually have to go um, take engagement pictures in Washington, but I will hopefully be at the next one to two. I'll definitely be in the one in Portland. So, engagement? Are you getting married? Yes, I am. Wow, congratulations. Wow. When, when's the big day? <laughs> it's June 16th next year. Yeah, my daughter's getting married next year. We're not really sure when it's going to be, but that sounds about about right, about in that na- neighborhood. So, um, so we'll see what happens. I hope hoping they're going to be next summer. But um, so predictions on the season. What do you think this team's going to end up doing this year? I think we have the opportunity to be an eight and four team. I see us more of like a a seven and five, um, but slowly and steadily we've gotten better every year. So we just hit a bowl game last year. I really think we have the ability to be an eight and four, but I'm going to say seven and five team. Yeah. I'm, I'm calling it eight and four with a, with an outside chance to get to 10 wins. If, if, if they start the season strong, I, I, I just think that Fresno state game is going to be so difficult. The environment down there, the weather, it's going to be hot. It's 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 going to be a tough game, but for some how they can get out three and zero, I think I think nine and three or ten and two is out there. But I do think this team can win win eight games. But the first five games are going to be difficult. There's no question about it. With Fresno and Boise and USC and Utah among the first five, I mean anything from four and one to one and four is possible. So. Um, yeah, we'll see how it comes out. But I'm saying eight and four, and I don't know what bowl game that gets them into, but it would be a you know a decent bowl game for sure. So agreed. Yeah, I think this year's the beginning of the season is going to be basically the the understanding of where we're going to finish out. If if they start off strong, I think it's going to ride more times than not the rest of the season. Um, but I, I think they have a. I agree with a great chance of like an eight and four season. Yeah. Well, next week we'll dig in. We'll dig in a little deeper onto the game. We don't really have a game to talk about right now, other than what's 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 coming up. But we haven't seen a game, so we'll be able to pick the thing apart a little bit. And, but anyway, that's uh, that's a wrap on this week's edition of uh, Beaver Banter. Remember, you can find this podcast wherever you find your favorite local, where you find your favorite podcast. Be uh, be sure to check out Oregon Live for our Oregon State content. We've got some good stories coming. Got one on Jaden Grant and his seven-year journey at school, and be looking at offensive line coach Jim Mahalchik. We'll uh, we'll we'll see you next week, right about about Tuesday or so. Thanks for listening.